When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour number two, light the tower on the horn. Jeff Howe, Craig Way out today. Cameron Parker out today also. Well, Craig was here for the first segment of the show. Shouldn't say he's out. He's out for the rest of the show, and we'll be out for this hour. Uh, MCing a Vic Schaefer luncheon over on the 40 Acres. We've got Jack behind the glass. Cameron Parker is uh, in San Antonio, I think, doing some. Uh, is Cam still doing like UIL swimming and whatnot, or what's he got? What's he got going on down there? I'm not sure. I know he still does uh, like high school games and. and I don't know if it's stuff. swimming or basketball or what Cam is doing, but he's uh, he's a busy man uh, with all his endeavors. Got a lot of fingers and a lot of pots that Cameron Parker does. Uh, but uh, Jack will be in today and tomorrow producing. Craig will be back full go tomorrow because Craig's got to call that Texas West Virginia game coming up on Saturday, ten thirty with the pregame. We get you right here on the Horn and across the Austin Radio Network. 11 o'clock with the tip, Craig and Eddie Orn on the call. Specs text line is open 337-3776. His texter says, Dad's gone. Let's go crazy. Uh, I try, I'm try to. going to try to keep it on the rails, uh, try to keep it in between the lines, and just make sure I've got this car and just don't crash it into the median. Just 2 and 10, steady on the wheel, and uh, we'll see where it, uh, where it goes from there. Uh, speaking about Kelvin Banks, who we mentioned in uh, our first-hour edition of Longhorn Notebook, CB says, remember the play in the OU game where Kelvin Banks got into it with some guys, some OU guys early on in the game? Yeah, absolutely, because he drove his guy down the field, buried his guy. Uh, guy didn't like it, and that's the kind of attitude that you need to play with in that game. That's the attitude that some some years uh, Texas hadn't had in that game. It was, it was I think, for as a Texas fan, it's always nice when you beat Oklahoma. Uh, it's even more refreshing when you beat Oklahoma the way Texas did. And the cherry on top is to see Texas be the aggressor from the outset, taking the fight to Oklahoma, being the aggressor, being proactive with the violence and not reactive. Said it all the time, man. That is a game. That is the, that is the closest uh, SEC-style game that is in the Big 12 every year. And when I say that, because the SEC, at at its core, at the end of the day, it is a line of scrimmage league. The Texas OU game is one along the lines of scrimmage. That is a, it is a violent, physical football game, and it's the kind of deal where when that game is at its best, it's because both teams show up for a fight, and a football game just happens to break out. And for Texas to be the aggressor early on in that game, Kelvin Banks setting the tone, uh, set the tone for that forty nine nothing win Texas scored over Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. In uh, 
in October. Uh, Sector says, uh, pit, bull kill, pit bull killed after being in bite quarantine. It's going to take a lot more than that uh, to get me all in my feels. I'm just saying, man, that's a, as a dog owner, right? If somebody accidentally euthanized my dog, pit bull or not, we're going to have some problems. So I don't think it's necessarily about the breed of dog. But if now your policy is to call somebody before you euthanize a dog and double check, shouldn't that kind of always have been the policy? I don't know. That's, that's just me. Uh, yes, donor, women's game, 4 o'clock Saturday. Can't forget that. Uh, Craig will be on the call for that as well. It's nice, nice that Craig has a uh, Craig has a weekend where I uh, get to hang around, gets to hang around the house a little bit. So I know this time of year, especially next week once baseball season gets rolling. And, again, we'll talk uh, more Longhorn baseball Coming up next week, actually, you heard David Pierce on with uh, with B&E this morning. You can get to the podcast page at hornfm.com or anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, get all of our shows, our segments and bits are, uh, are there on the podcast feed uh, with the, the morning show's conversation with David Pierce. So we'll, uh, we're planning on getting Coach Pierce on this show at some point in the near future. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen, but uh, definitely looking forward to having Coach Pierce on. Appreciate Coach Pierce whenever he's able to join us, Vic Schaefer whenever whenever he's able to join us, uh, any of the coaches on the 40 Acres, whenever they are able to join us, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, again, Specs Text Line is open 337-3776. Uh, we were talking about uh, you know the NBA trade deadline. We talked about the Kevin Durant trade. Jack, did you happen to watch any of the Mavericks game last night? Kyrie's debut. I had to be here early. I went to bed. <laughs> You're more of a are you are you more of a Houston guy though than a Dallas guy? Absolutely. From Houston originally. Born in Houston, raised in Austin. Okay, cool. So you're definitely more of a Houston guy than a Dallas guy. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's really weird how I do it. Uh, I can't explain it. I am uh, Cowboys, Mavericks, Astros. Don't know how it happened, why it happened, why it's the way I do it, but it's the way I prefer I'm to do things. Uh, but I, I did watch the Mavs last night and watched Kyrie's debut. And and I've heard this. I've tried to listen to as much uh, of the Dallas media breaking this down as possible. And one of the kind of consensus things that I heard was, look, does Kyrie have issues? Yeah. Is, is he liable to go off and just say something ignorant at some point and, and piss a lot of people off? Yeah, he is. But in a contract year with, you know, at this point now 26 games left, Kyrie's probably going to be on his best behavior. Uh, even if this is it with the Mavericks, or, or they decide they you know agree to an extension, he's going to be on his best behavior most likely until he signs that contract. Uh, and and it was, a, it was everything was good last night. Played well. The Mavericks got them a road win in L.A. against the Clippers uh, with Lucas sitting on the bench watching everything, recovering uh, from the injury. So uh, all is well right now in Mavericks land. So much so, Jack, that I, I missed the news of the Durant trade. So that game ended like. 11.30-ish, something like that. And it was at that point where I said, man, I'm, I'm tapping out. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. And when I went to bed, Kevin Durant was a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And when I wake up, I see that he is a member of the Phoenix Suns. If you're looking for uh, more trade deadline stuff, uh, I don't know if you're going to find it. You're, I think you'll see some moves like this. Read that the Nets are trying to find a home for Jay Crowder. We know the Jazz at some point. It sounds like they're going to buy out Russell Westbrook and he'll be on the open market available. Jack, you got something right there? Yeah, I got something on Jay Crowder. He is headed to Milwaukee for the fun. I don't know, very funny to me, five second round picks. That's just, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen someone be traded for five second rounders. That's all right. Uh, I Jay guess. Crowder, Milwaukee. That's a good piece for Literally, them. I saw a few minutes ago that uh, the Nets were looking to move Jay Crowder and just since the, in the time it took us from 
coming back from break. He's on the move to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. So Jay Crowder's one of those glue guys, man. Really, really good defender. Uh, he'll get up all in uh, your opponent's best player and uh, kind of be the – I'm going to put this lightly, the way Gary Payton described Dennis Rodman in the last dance. Uh, Jay Crowder's kind of the mess stuff up guy. Gary Payton used some language that I can't use to describe Dennis Rodman. But, yeah, Jay Crowder's kind of the mess stuff up guy. He's just there to kind of mess everything up. So Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee. I did see, I think, uh, I think it was Chris Haynes from, uh, TNT reported that a lot of teams are calling Portland to inquire about Dame Lillard and they are being told, I think the wording was unequivocally being told that Dame Lillard is not available. Are you, wow, Dame Lillard putting out a statement that he's going to be loyal to Portland. He does that about three times a year, <laughs> but, but they just it traded Josh like Hart who like, that's a win now move for the Knicks. That's like a we're selling kind of a deadline move because Josh Hart's a good player. Yeah. They got back Cam Reddish in a in a first round pick. That's not that's not a good idea if you're right. a team who's looking to make that postseason push. So I don't think it's surprising. I think we'll see, but I would be surprised if Dame gets traded in the next three hours. I yeah, I don't I don't think he is. Um, it, that seems like every you know think about I'm trying to think about baseball players that have been through that you know you, you see it in baseball a lot where man so-and-so now you're seeing it with mike trout and shohei otani right when's trout gonna move when's otani gonna move is otani gonna move that that's dame lillard like every i don't know four months or so like oh yep this is the time they're gonna trade dame they're gonna trade dame they got it and nothing ever really comes of it so dame, dame lillard uh dame lillard leaving portland it's gonna be like bob stoops not being a coach at oklahoma anymore because like how many off seasons did we hear about oh man such and such NFL team, they're they're going after Bob Stoops, or Bob Stoops going to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, or man, Bob Stoops apparently really likes that Notre Dame opening, and Bob Stoops never left, and after a while, he just kind of walked away and and he stayed away. That's when it's going to happen. When you least expect it, Dame Lillard is going to end up being traded or going somewhere else. So, uh, Captain Caveman wants to know, Jack, what does this mean for one Benjamin Simmons in Brooklyn, New York? I don't know, man. Ben Simmons is the last guy standing, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like Ben Simmons at this point in his career, it almost feels like that box of stuff you have when you're doing spring cleaning and that you don't even, like, it's not even worth giving it to Goodwill. You just kind of set it outside by the trash and just hope that somebody comes along and picks it up because there's some stuff in there that you just don't want that's of no good to anybody. Uh that's kind of. Am I going too far with that, Jack? That's kind of to me what Ben Simmons is at that point, at this point in his career. I mean, with the contract he has, he's just. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm young, but I don't think that's ever happened in basketball where a guy was looking to be a generational talent, multiple time All Star early in his career, and now he's just bad. He's bad at everything. Yeah, he's just not good anymore. Um, it's the Cam Thomas show. That's who we should every, be talking about. Every guy I can think of that would fit that bill, it was like injuries or something else that, like, I think, uh, you know, Sean Kemp just pretty, oh, he much, fell off fast. pretty much ate his way out of the NBA. Um, and I'm one to talk about people eating their way out of anything. Sean, but Sean Kemp did pretty much eat his way out of the NBA. I, I was not an elite athlete at one point in my life, so I can say that. Um, Trying to think of other guys. You know, Larry Johnson started having back problems. He's another one that, that got one of those big contracts and, and it didn't work out. Yeah, most of the guys that get those contracts, it's, uh, yeah, it's injury or, or some kind of off court issue. But yeah, Ben Simmons is 
One of those guys that just, uh, <laughs> this is Ben Simmons is the modern day Rick Schmitz. Now, Rick Schmitz was productive late into his career. I just don't know what Ben Simmons does. Thank you for that text, uh, Bizarro Dale Dudley. I don't know what Ben Simmons does well at this point in his career. Remember Andrew Bynum? That's like a, something that's coming to mind. The Lakers center, he was very talented and young, got a contract from Philly and was just awful immediately oh but, uh, yeah yeah andrew bonham is a good one that's was like there? the clue but he had he had all this you know the but andrew bonham was like an all-star like a a legitimate like you could say you know all nba caliber player for at least a couple of years well S- simmons two-time all-star right i mean yeah has been does ben simmons make an all nba let me look that up i don't know if ben simmons it, made an all nba team depends if they qualified him as a guard or a forward which is a silly way that they still do that yeah i don't really like uh ben simmons yeah in 2020 uh in the bubble year he was third team all nba 2020 and two time all defensive first team 2020 and 2021 three time all star his last all star game was in 2021 so yeah just the for the for for not even to hit at least Andrew Bynum might be the closest because you you can question, but I think on those Lakers championship teams, like Andrew Bynum, at least got got closer to his peak than Ben Simmons got to his. Totally agree because he was. I mean, when you but coming the, out of LSU, you're like he's Magic Johnson. He's that kind of player. But the fall has been similar, right? With Ben Simmons, like both those guys, it's like you got close to the peak, and it's not. There was no steady drop off. You just immediately fell off a cliff, and it just seems like there's no coming back from it. I know he's had back issues too, but like. We're a couple of years removed from his last. Well, we're about a full year and a half removed from his uh, exit from Philly. And I know he's been he's dealing with the mental health stuff too. And how much did how much did the injury compound that? Like or vice versa. So yeah, it's just there's just a lot of stuff added up for Ben Simmons. But yeah, it's just I don't know what notable skill Ben Simmons could bring to a team. At this point, so we'll keep you updated on anything going on NBA trade deadline wise. Uh, Spurs made one move, Jack. Wembenyama trade. <laughs> hey, you're getting ready. Yakupertel is a good Yaka, player. Yakupertel is a good player. Uh, sending him to him. send him to Toronto for a. They got a one back, right? Is back that a, to Toronto. Is that a? Oh, okay. He was yeah. in the uh, Kawhi no, yeah, trade. Yeah, but he uh, Yakup. They, they, what did the Spurs get in return? Is that like a? I think it's like a 2024 protected first round pick. First maybe? round pick, and I think maybe some player, but yeah, no, nobody of of consequence. I think it was maybe something to be named later, maybe second round picks or something. Yeah, you're just getting you're getting payroll, you're getting a pick. payroll off your books. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Spurs are in full tank mode at this point. You know, check out the Spurs when they're at Moody Center here coming up in April. My birthday's in March, so I'm gonna I'm I assume those tickets are gonna be expensive. So I'm I'm gonna lean in on that that's gonna be my my one thing that i really want because i love the nba and it's never been played in my hometown i have to go yeah so captain caveman brings up a good point and there's another guy that i think of that fits this bill too uh bynum did have the injury situation we said it was different for bynum i think the game was changing at that point and that type of uh and that type of big man uh, he didn't fit in with the new nba you know who that was that went from like not quite superstar, but like all NBA type player to just falling off a clip because the game changed. Exactly. Yes. It's exactly what I, I was love thinking those of. Pacers teams. Like Roy Hibbert went from like, oh, Roy Hibbert's like an all star caliber player. And then it's like in one offseason, the game changes. It's like, oh, dude, Roy Hibbert's obsolete. Like he has no place in the league all he, of a sudden. That Pacers team almost beat the Heat and he was the LeBron, the, the Heatles. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was the best player in that series, Roy Hibbert. And two years later, he was he was done with Lance Stevenson being the the messed up, up in guy. the air. Paul yeah. George with one of the best in game dunks I've ever seen in that series yeah. over Birdman. 
Chris Andrews. Yeah, Jack, we don't get much basketball talk on the show. Not not, not enough time to talk about it. But trade deadline today, and at least uh, the text, the three Texas teams, two of the three are at least involved in some way, shape, or form with them. And the Mavericks might not be done. Maybe Christian Wood is on the move by the end of the day. We'll see what happens with the Mavs uh, and if the Spurs do any more. I don't know what the Spurs have left to unload after sending Yako Pedal to Toronto, but we'll see what happens. But uh, at any rate, we'll uh, we'll take a break, come back, uh, flex update in a Longhorn notebook or on the other side, hour number two of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Webb and Jeff Howe. No Craig Webb, but I'm here carrying you through hour number two of Light the Tower. Producer Jack sitting in today for camera Parker. Jack, I just saw this come up on uh, on the Twitter machine. It's got the you know where you have a, two names and then the handshake emoji and then something under it. So this is Kevin Durant, Kendall Jenner, and the handshake, and then it says leaving Ben Simmons for Devin Booker. That's absolutely true. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, uh, Zay is our our hoops head here. Uh, Zay of Chad and Zay coming up with your midday. Uh, they will keep you a abri- uh, Jack. What time is the deadline? Three o'clock is the trade deadline. I think so. It's either uh, I forget it's two p.m. Central or three p.m. Central. See, I forget if I forget if it's like four Eastern or yeah, four yeah, yeah. Or three Eastern Central, or whatever. Right. Yeah, I always I always forget. But uh, the trade deadline will happen during Chad and Zay at some point, either in uh, late in their show or. Either, you know, I'm sorry, either at the top of their third hour or at the end of their third hour. I forget what time the trade deadline is, but Zay will keep you updated on all the latest uh, news notes and nuggets going on with the NBA trade deadline. As we said, uh, in case you missed it, we talked a lot about the Kevin Durant trade from Brooklyn to Phoenix. Uh, got to see Kyrie Irving's Mavs debut last night after the big trade with him going to Dallas from Brooklyn. And then the Nets, uh, as Jack just told you last segment, have sent Jay Crowder to Milwaukee for did you say five second-round picks? I think that's what I saw. I think Jordan Nuora might be moving along in that deal as well. Uh, I've got a Jordan Nuora 2020 uh, Prism rookie card, if any listeners are Nets fans and interested in that at all. so Don't even have to pay me anything. I'll even pay for the shipping if you want it. Just let me know. So I'll send that your way. So, um, all right. Well, let's go ahead with that in mind. Let's go ahead and uh, get to our Flex update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. 3 Eastern, Jack, is the trade deadline, so 2 o'clock Central. I always get confused on when that is, and it slips my mind. But, yes. Uh, and thank you, Jeff Mudd, on Specs Text Line for the reminder as well. Hey, only thing we got on the Flex Update today, make sure you tune in tonight. Normally you hear uh, our Flex, our weekly Flex show. Normally you hear that on Wednesdays. But this week, because of uh, issues with the bat that we talked about and needing to get the women's game on last night here on the Horn, Flex show has moved. You'll hear it tonight after Craig does Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry. You'll hear stick, uh, stick Stay Tuned to the Horn uh, on 104.9, and you'll hear the Flex Show starting at 8 o'clock this week. It is with uh, Zach Lucero and Nolan Hogan going to take you through the 8 o'clock hour tonight, talking everything preps in the area. That's from 8 to 9 tonight here on 104.9 with Zach and Nolan. And uh, stick around afterwards, 9 o'clock, Longhorn Blitz podcast. If you missed it last night or if you're not a subscriber, 
go ahead and uh, stay tuned at 9 o'clock. We'll get you a little Longhorn Blitz replay with myself, Matt Butler, and Rod Babers. But make sure you tune in to the Flex Show, flxatx.com. Flex ATX has you up to, uh, get you up to date on all of the scores, schedules, everything going on with high school basketball right now in the area as those district races start to wind down. All right, that's going to do it for this hour's Flex Update. Let's go ahead and get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. How's Longhorn Notebook? It is a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock. She is your Longhorn lender. Let Aaron do for you. What she did for Craig and Linda when they made the move to Georgetown made that home loan process so easy, so simple. Craig has nothing but good things to say about the way things went down. It's BowersockTeam.com. BowersockTeam.com. Aaron Bowersock, she is your Longhorn lender. All right. I I mentioned I wanted to get to this uh, in this edition of The Notebook. I was telling everybody about the uh, the Insider at Horns 24-7, which has been posted. And uh, we didn't get into this yesterday uh, because we just ran out of time. Just one of those deals is kind of fell off the got left on the cutting room floor if you will but Savion Red moved to running back he he has agreed to move from receiver to running back there's no determined time whether this is a permanent move a temporary move like I said you got a couple of guys as you go through winter workouts and some of your position group stuff uh dealing with injuries Jonathan Brooks coming back from the hernia surgery Jaden Blue's been dealing with a, a shoulder issue uh Savion Red just wants to get on the field some way, shape, or form. That's what our team sources are telling us at Horns 24-7. He'll have the opportunity uh, to get reps when spring practice starts. Uh, you know, it doesn't, I, don't, I don't know if Jonathan Brooks is going to be back by the time spring practice starts in that first week of March, but whether he is or not, I like getting Savion Red a look at running back. We talked about this on Longhorn Blitz. I've written it on the site, and I'll probably write something about it here in the next day or two. And I know you've heard Rod talk about it on Ball Don't Lie. What is the identity of the Texas offense going to be in 2023? We know what the identity of the 2022 offense was. The identity of your 2022 offense was your two running backs. Which, by the way, two of the five Longhorns that got invites to the NFL scouting combine. B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. You think about all the times that the Texas offense was successful when they really got things going this season. It was because you got those two backs up and running and they led the charge. Like the Iowa State game, just that's the one that sticks out to me. When when it just wasn't clicking in the past game, whether it was Quinn Ewers was a little bit off or you had guys dropping balls, whatever it wasn't. And I really feel like that that deep crosser in the second half, I think it was maybe late third quarter where Quinn Ewers finds Casey Kane wide open and Kane just can't make the catch, can't reel it in. And it was like almost at that point, it felt like that was the last straw for Sark in that game where he it almost like you could tell the play calling where he just said, you know what, screw it. It just ain't working with the passing game today. He's going to turn around, hand the ball to five, hand the ball to two, let them wear down this Iowa State defense, this really good, productive Iowa State defense, this active Iowa State defense that is so scheme sound, so disciplined. I'm just going to let these two stud running backs just try to wear them down and let them take us across the finish line. And they did. Think about that one long drive. Roshan just churning between the tackles or the screen pass to Bijan uh, going leading up to the Xavier Worthy touchdown that ended up being the game winner. Those two running backs got you there. The Baylor game. After you know the Quinn Ewers sack fumble when Baylor scores, after that, your passing game was non-existent. Sart, you saw the play calling follow a similar pattern. It was like, 
Our running backs are going to be the guys that carry us across the finish line. Doesn't matter if even Baylor knows we're lining up and running the football. We're just going to pound it right at them, and they were able to do that because of their two running backs. And we saw in the bowl game, I mentioned it, you know, Washington in terms of just rushing yards allowed where they rank nationally in rush defense, they were a top 30-ish, top 35-ish run defense. But you started looking at some of the advanced statistics, and you're like, man, Washington is kind of middle of the pack or – Maybe even they're they're kind of bad in terms of stopping the run on a play-by-play basis. I feel like Texas can be able to run the ball. And the Longhorns couldn't run it at all. Now, maybe Jonathan Brooks was already dealing with the hernia thing. Maybe that's why he didn't get more run. I don't know why Sark decided Keelan Robinson was going to be the guy to pound it between the tackles. But that was a game that kind of encapsulated what it's like to have two elite runners, and I can safely call both of those guys elite runners. Roshan Johnson's going to get drafted, going to play in the NFL. We know Bijan. at the end of the day, I think once people get their heads wrapped around the fact that this is a special running back, he'll go in the, he'll end up going in the first round. You've got two backs that are going to play on Sundays in 2023. you got two elite backs. We saw how much the offense benefited from having two elite backs and their ability to maximize runs, their ability to get yards after contact, their ability to keep their feet pumping on contact, their ability to make something when there was nothing there. I love saying this. Roshan gives you this, but Bijan really does this. This is where Bijan being special really comes out. Bijan can make you right even when the play call and or the blocking up front says you're going to be wrong. He was the kind of back that can make you right, and you didn't have that in the bowl game. And while we saw some growth from Quinn Ewers in the past game, namely the ability of Quinn Ewers and Sark, I've talked about this a lot too, their ability to take the short and intermediate pass game, which they hadn't done all year. That's why Washington was so willing to give it to them. And Texas was finally able to start to move the football once Quinn Ewers decided to take the short game, take the intermediate stuff. Even when, you know, whether it's Xavier Worthy dropping the deep shots, the deep shots weren't there. They started working the middle of the field and just moving the field down, moving the ball down the field in in small chunks in the passing game rather than going for the big play over the top. So while there was growth in the passing game, it's still, there was something to be desired just in terms of, okay, didn't really see kind of an ideological shift, if you will, an identity shift in that game. Like maybe, I was kind of maybe hoping we would see. But I think now is the time where you start to figure out what your identity is. And what Rod has talked about, what I've talked about, what we talked about on the Blitz, what I've written on the site, positionless football, I think that's kind of the way Steve Sarkeesian needs to go. Sark really, the the offenses that he studies, and and Craig and I got him on the record with this last year at at coaching school, and we kind of do what's slowly sort of become our annual one-on-one with Steve Sarkeesian. It's not really a one-on-one because Craig and I are two people, but I digress. I was told there would be no math involved in today's show. And we sat down and talked to Sark, and he talked about the, the guys. Because he, he always talks about he studies offenses in the offseason. But I want to know, who does he study? Why does he study them? He loves studying the guys that come from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel. He loves studying guys that are familiar with kind of the new age version of the Mike Shanahan offense, which has its roots in the Bill Walsh West Coast offense. Mike Shanahan worked for Bill Walsh, worked for George Seifert, and came from that school that produced Mike Holmgren, and which produced Andy Reid. And, and the, the two coaching trees, right, the two coaching trees, the Bill Parcells coaching tree and the Bill Walsh coaching tree, just go down them and find out throughout the last, I don't know, 
30, 40 years, how many Super Bowls those two coaching trees have either competed in or won, how many games they've won. Uh, but I digress on that. It all goes back to the Kyle Shanahan offense. And what do we talk about when we talk about the Kyle Shanahan offense? Let's talk about positionless football with all the weapons they have, whether it's Debo Samuel or Kyle Juszczyk, uh George Kittle and the versatility they've got with him, Brandon Ayuk and the versatility they've got with him. You look at what they do with their running backs, especially now that they've got a guy like a Christian McCaffrey. They can line, they can line up in a 21 or a 20 or an 11 personnel grouping, and within that one personnel grouping, they can show you so many different looks that can attack you so many ways. And the one-on-one matchups that they can create it is, as my man Rod Babers likes to say, it is a mathematical equation that the defense cannot solve. When you don't have the luxury of having a guy like Bijan or Roshan that can just get theirs, that's, I think, where Sark needs to go with this offense in terms of how he builds it and who he features. You just need to try to, through your personnel groupings, and then based on whatever personnel, like Texas was really good last year in 21 personnel. I don't think they've got the person they they've got the, the, the tools necessarily to run as much two back stuff as they did last year. So even but even if you're an eleven personnel offense, or maybe you're you're a twenty one personnel offense and Keelan Robinson is a part of that, and maybe you know, Cedric Baxter's versatile enough to be one of those guys, and now you're getting Savion Red some reps at running back. In a different way you can be a two back offense, but you can go to empty out of that two back look. You can do three-by-one sets, you can do some double sets, you can shift, you can motion, you can do so many different things to give the defense so much stuff to process that by the time you create your one-on-one matchups, plural, there's going to be one of those matchups, if Quinn Ewers can find it, that they just cannot account for. So that chess game, I think, of, of developing as many versatile pieces that can be almost positionless pieces to give you as many one-on-one matchups on a given play as you can. Because think about this. Let's just look at Texas in a 21 personnel grouping. Let's say it's Keelan Robinson on a given down. Let's say it's Keelan Robinson, Savion Red, and your one in the 21 is your tight end. Obviously, it's going to be JT Sanders. And you've got Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy as a part of that personnel grouping. Between Worthy, Whittington, Red, Robinson, and Sanders... Think about almost the endless number of formations. Pre-snap, post-snap, all the stuff that you can show a defense to create one-on-one matchups. There is no way with all those weapons you've got on the field, if they are truly positionless players and versatile players and can pose multiple threats, there is no way a defense on a down-to-down basis can account with that. And mix in any number of players you want. A.D. Mitchell, Cedric Baxter, throw in how Brennan Thompson, uh, Isaiah Nayer, throw in however many guys you want. The defense isn't going to be able to account for all of those guys. So to me, I'm in full agreement with Rod Babers. I think that's where the offense needs to go. That's why, regardless of whether you needed an extra body in that group or not, that's why getting Savion Red some reps at running back really excites me because it signals that, yeah, this offense can go to some of those positionless personnel groupings and really put a lot of pressure on a defense, not necessarily because you're just going to overwhelm them with talent, like you could at times last year with your two-back stuff with Bijan and Roshan, now you're overwhelming them with skill and with versatility 
and your ability now to truly be a multiple offense that's really, really hard to defend on a down-to-down basis because within those personnel groupings, the number of formations, the number of looks you can show a defense, there's no way an opponent can account for that. So just file that away when you're thinking about the Savion Red move with him getting a look at running back. All right, we'll take a break, come back, close out this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Couple of quick notes on the NBA trade deadline before we uh, get out of here. It's Jeff Howe, producer Jack, sitting in for Cameron Parker. Craig was here for the first segment of the show, but had to had to bolt for the last ninety minutes because he had to get over to the forty and MCA Vic Schaefer luncheon. Uh, going on today, Jack. You just—I'm going to run these down. Uh, you just tell me if any of these moves uh, do anything for you. Uh, the once Russell Westbrook is bought out, uh, the Clippers and Bulls are among the teams that may pursue. I don't know who Westbrook fits with. I like <laughs> the Clippers because I like Paul George and Kawhi, and I think he could win a championship there. And on that on that note, the uh, the Clippers are also lo- apparently, uh, according to Mark Stein, looking to uh, move John Wall before the deadline. So the Clippers would make sense there if Russell Westbrook is in play. Uh, Cleveland reportedly showing interest in Royce O'Neal. I, I actually like that move. Royce O'Neal's a nice player. Cavs need wings. Royce O'Neal's a good wing. Uh, we already talked about the Jay Crowder trade. And you're right, Jordan Wara was involved in that Jay Crowder trade. OG Ananubi, who's another name that's been talked about a lot. Uh, Pelicans and Bl- Pelicans, Blazers, Grizzlies, all apparently interested in acquiring him. But I've heard I've heard that package for him could be multiple first rounders. He's very is, good. Is what the Raptors would want for OG Ananubi. Uh, we've already mentioned Dame Lillard trade talks are off the table. The Thunder and Celtics made a small trade. Mike Muscala for Justin Jackson and two future second rounders. Small trade? <laughs> League breaking. <laughs> Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala to Boston and uh, for Justin Jackson and two future. A lot of second round picks uh, getting moved in this uh, in these deals. Speaking of second rounders, how about Thomas Bryant going to Denver? The Lakers getting back three future second round picks. Uh, and the Warriors and Pistons, this one really intrigued me just because of the names involved. Uh, reportedly, in, uh, the, it's the Warriors and Pistons reportedly exploring a trade that would involve swapping Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman. It's weird that Sadiq Bay is the by far the better player in that trade. He yeah. 41-point game, 40-something-point game a few seasons ago, last season? Yeah, that was the, uh, I think that was the Mavericks. Was that the Josh Green draft, maybe? I think that was the Josh Green draft when uh, I was a big proponent of the Mavs taking Sadiq Bay, which obviously good player. That good didn't happen. Uh, but he was still available in the second round. They had two picks and went with Tyrell Terry and Tyler Bay, neither of whom are with the Dallas Mavericks. As a matter of fact, Tyrell Terry is not even in the league anymore. He retired. So there you have it. All right, Zay and Chad will we'll keep you up to date. I say Zay first because Zay is our hoops head. They will keep you up to date on the latest with the NBA trade deadline. And Chad and Zay with your midday show coming up next, and they will pass the baton to Ball Don't Lie. Craig will be back in tomorrow, uh, and then on Saturday, getting you ready for a doubleheader of Texas basketball at Moody Center. It's the men taking on West Virginia, 10.30 pregame, 11 o'clock tip here on the Horn and across the Austin Radio Network. Same for the Texas women, 4 o'clock tip with TCU, 3.30 with the pregame with Craig and Kathy Carson on the call there. Jack, thank you so much, man, for doing uh, Yeoman's work today. On the board. That's uh, it's good stuff, man. Stepping in for Cam. And uh, uh, Jack will be back tomorrow when Craig is back 
in the big chair as well. Uh, for Jack, for Craig, for the absent Cameron Parker, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.